Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, January 10th. Let's start with the in case you missed it portion and then go on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Okay, we have so much to go over, and I'm actually going to make this mostly an NFL podcast because it's the last week of the NFL going into playoffs to recap. So we're actually going to focus on that. But starting with baseball, Rachel Baklovich is the first woman to be a skipper in the MLB affiliated teams. She is on the low A Tampa Tarpoons which is in the Yankees Association. She is one of three women currently in the MLB working with Sarah Goodrum, working as director of player development for the Astros. And Jamie Vieira is a minor league hitting coach, but this will be the first female manager in MLB history. So way to break that glass ceiling, Rachel. In the men's basketball world, we had over 12 ranked losses, at least 12 ranked losses in the top 25 last week. Number two and number three got upset. Number two, Duke was beaten by Miami, the U, with a late upset. And Purdue, number three, was beaten by Wisconsin, 74-69 to to start off the week. Number 21, LSU had a good week, beating number 16, Kentucky, and number 18, Tennessee. Number 16, Providence, got their ass kicked by unranked Marquette, although you may recognize that name from previous March Madnesses. Number 25, Texas Tech bounced back from their loss to number 11, Iowa State, on Wednesday by beating number 6, Kansas, on Saturday. This is the Red Raiders' eighth straight win over a top 10 team. No one wants to go play the Raiders right now. Number 13, Ohio State lost to Indiana on a badass dunk. And then unranked Oklahoma went on to beat number 11, Iowa State, 679 to 66, with their best shooting percentage in 25 years versus a top 25 team. That wasn't the only upset in the Big 12. Oklahoma State also outscored number 14, Texas, in both halves to win 64 to 51. Number 15, Alabama lost by six to a bad 7 and 7 Mizzou team. 
And number one continues to roll. That's Baylor beating both Oklahoma and TCU this week, who are sitting with at least 10 wins. Just another quick note, um, and I put this in NCAA basketball as that's the main NCAA sport we're going over right now. Um, the NCAA has changed their COVID guidelines for winter sports. Fully vaccinated now refers to those normal shots that it always has and a booster or athletes who have had COVID within the last 90 days. Also, quarantine has been shortened to five days if there are no symptoms or symptoms have significantly improved after that. You then just have to wear a mask for five days. Moving along to the NBA, the Dallas Mavericks retired Dirk Nowitzki's number 41. They also won that night that they honored him as well. And we had two big comebacks this week. Kyrie Irving returned to the court on Wednesday against the Pacers and scored 22 points. KD commented how his return takes a lot of pressure off of him. And KD actually scored 39 points that night. On Sunday, so last night, Clay Thompson made his much-anticipated return after two years and multiple bad knee injuries. He was out for 31 months since Game 6 of the 2019 NBA Finals. That is 177 straight games. Thompson came back to score 17 points last night. During that game, he also hit his 12,000th career point and his 1,800th three-pointer. I'm really only hitting on one thing in college football this week because there's really only one storyline. And in case you haven't seen ESPN in the last couple of days, it is that the national championship is tonight on Monday, Georgia versus Alabama in the SEC championship rematch. That will be tonight at 7 p.m. on ESPN. It is in Indianapolis. All right, folks, hold on to your hats because this is the NFL section. So we had a week 18 of the regular season. That is a first time. And in that recap, oh, man, it was just crazy. The 49ers upset the Rams in overtime after being down 17 points at half. That win and a Cardinals loss to the Seahawks put the 49ers back into playoffs. The Texans put up a good fight against the AFC top seed, the Titans, losing 28-25. to That was a little closer than I guarantee you the Tennessee fans wanted. The Lions got their third win by scoring a touchdown in the last two minutes, upsetting the NFC top seed in the Packers, 37-30. Now, to be fair, the QB Aaron Rodgers did sit the second half as a precaution for playoffs. But a win's a win, especially for the Lions. The Jags were almost two touchdown point underdogs, but they beat the Colts 26-11 to ruin Indianapolis's team playoffs, playoff hopes. The Patriots blew the last play of the game, leading to a Dolphins touchdown. Granted, they were winning anyway, but it was still really ugly. They tried to do this lateral pass, and it ended up getting intercepted for a touchdown, so it was just ugly. The Bucks put away the Panthers early, winning 41-17, and the Cowboys did the same with their rivals, the Eagles, winning 51-26. On Saturday, the Chiefs nearly avoided the upset by scoring 11 points in the fourth quarter to win 28-24 over the Broncos. But let's get to the game everybody's really talking about. That winner-goes-to-the-playoff showdown between the Chargers and the Raiders, and it did not disappoint. The Chargers needed a touchdown to take the game into overtime at the two-minute warning. But it gets a little bit more complicated than that. 
It actually turns out that if the Chargers and the Raiders game ended in a tie, then the Steelers would be out of playoffs and both the Chargers and the Raiders would go to playoffs. The Chargers had to get two successful fourth downs to do it, but they did get the touchdown as time expired to make the game end in a tie. Then they went to overtime. The Raiders won the toss and wanted the ball first. They only managed a field goal. Then the Chargers got another fourth down and ended their possession with a field goal. Next score of any kind would win. Now, if the team, if the 10 minutes of overtime ran out and they were still tied and no one had scored anything, then remember, both teams go. However, the Las Vegas team broke the hearts of the Chargers because the Raiders ran down the clock once they got in field goal range and kicked the game-winning field goal to take them and the Steelers to playoffs. This was only the sixth this was the sixth time this season that the Raiders have had a walk-off win. That is the most in NFL history since the AFL-NFL merger in the 70s. The Raiders are also the fourth team in league history to make playoffs with a different head coach than they started the season with. Raiders kicker Carlson made 93% of his field goals in this regular season. That is the second best percentage in 80 years of kickers that have kicked over 40 field goals. So not only to make this game crazy, but Vegas was sitting there shaken in their boots about this ending. If the game had ended in a tie, sports books in Vegas would have lost multiple millions of dollars. Less than 1% of games have ended in a tie since 1974, but with both teams being able to make the playoffs with a tie, the incentives certainly increased. And actually the most common parlay of the weekend was that the Jags would win and the Chargers Raiders tie. Well, they were about three seconds away from that actually happening. And the, the payoff for that is if you bet $1,000, you would have walked away with $115,000. All in all, a just crazy weekend. And going back a little bit to Monday night of week 17, that was QB's Ben Roethlisberger's last game at the Steelers home field at least we think it is that was his he also won that game against the Browns that was his 98th win at his home field he is tied for third for the most wins in any one venue by a quarterback and sticking with Steelers news linebacker TJ Watt not JJ Watt for those Houston fans but TJ his brother tied Michael Strahan's record of the NFL season single season sacks with 22.5. Now, granted, this season was 18 weeks long, whereas Strahan did it in 16 weeks long, but a record's a record. He also actually would have had the record to himself, TJ Watt, if the sack against in the second quarter had stood, but there was whistle blown for unnecessary roughness. So that's half sack credit that he actually got was negated. Hitting on golf really fast because it was the first PGA Tour tournament of the year. And while usually a round of 67 is considered a solid round, not this week. Cam Smith won the Century Tournament of Champions with the lowest score to par of a four-round tournament ever with a under 34 score. Although that's the lowest score to par, Smith only won by one over John Rahm. Of the four other golfers to have ever finished 30 below par, Smith was the closest to losing the lead. The other three golfers that have scored that won by at least eight 
shots. This is Smith's fourth PGA Tour title, and it moves him to world number 10. There were also multiple Olympic trials this weekend, so let's start with the U.S. Figure Skating Nationals was this weekend. That means the team was named. On the men's side, Nathan Chen, king of the quad, won his sixth straight national title. He landed four quads, I'm not even joking, you can't make this up, and then fell in a step sequence. It didn't matter, though. He still won nationals by 26 points, including setting a U.S. figure skating nationals record with a score in the short program of 115.39 points. He needs just one more nationals title to tie Dick Button, who won seven straight from the 40s and 50s. And if you're thinking there was no drama when naming the team, you are wrong. Runner up for nationals was Ilya Malanina, a 17-year-old, but he was passed over for the Olympics for Zhao and Brown. I guess the committee just wanted experience over his bright future. Mariah Bell won the women's title after Alyssa Liu tested positive for COVID despite being vaccinated. Karen Chen got second, and of those three ladies comprise your U.S. figure skating Olympic team. Both women, Bell and Chen, shared a dais with Liu, who tested positive, and, but they were allowed to compete. Liu is considered the best hope for the U.S. Olympic gold medal, or any medal at that point, to compete with the Russians. She is one of the only ones who can land a triple axle. Speed skating trials were also this weekend, so the team has been set there as well. And 500-meter favorite Erin Jackson looked to be shut out until her childhood friend, Brittany Bowe, gave her her spot in the 500. What ended up happening was Erin Jackson, who is the fastest skater in that event, slipped and got third, so she failed to qualify for the Olympics. Bowe won and knew she could bow out and give her spot to her friend. You may remember from earlier this year, Jackson was the first black woman to win a World Cup event and then proceeded to win four of the eight World Cup events in the 500. So she was hands down the favorite and Brittany had already qualified in the 1,000 and 1,500. So she did give up her spot. This was her final Olympics and she said she didn't want to go without Jackson. So just all the good feels on a Monday. I already know this podcast is running long, but I have to hit on the Djokovic Australian saga that happened over the past week. So hold on to your hats for this one. World number one, Novak Djokovic received a medical exemption to play in the Australian Open. The exemption allowed him to not only compete, but enter the country, which has a vaccine mandate, as well as the tournament has a vaccine mandate. This Grand Slam, this is a huge deal because the Grand Slam would break the tie with both Federer and Nadal for the most titles ever. He was delayed in Melbourne, however, due to a visa issue. Basically, somewhere along the way, the tournament didn't communicate with the government that this was going to be a allowed exemption. And then the government decided that that was not going to be the case. So he was stuck in a hotel in lieu of being deported until his lawyers got involved. He was then cleared on Sunday and will be able to play, at least as we stand right now on Monday. Also, let me go ahead and clarify that his exemption for not being not being vaccinated, we don't know his vaccination status, but his exemption was that he had COVID last month in December. So he is 90 days 
immune from COVID. So he's saying that that is the exemption he was given. Also, to be clear, he is not the only one that this happened to. There was another female Czech athlete that had the same issue with her visa being revoked, and she had the same exemption reason as well. So let's see if he can overcome all this drama and actually be able to concentrate on the tournament, but I'm sure his agent is not happy. Moving along to what to watch this upcoming week. We have the normal six games of the NBA Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 6.30 and 9 on ESPN or TNT. We have so many men's basketball games on TV, except on Monday. No ranked team plays on Monday. (laughs) But it starts with a packed action on Tuesday. We have three Top 25 matchups. Number 19, Texas Tech at number one, Baylor on at 6 p.m. We then have number sticking in the Big 12, number 15, Iowa State at 9, Kansas at 7. And going to the SEC, number 4, Auburn at number 24, Alabama at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Then on Wednesday, we have one top 25 matchup. Uh, number 14, Villanova at number 17, Xavier at 530. You can watch that on Fox Sports 1. On Thursday, we have a showdown in the Big Ten. Number 16, Ohio State at 13, Wisconsin at 6 p.m. Then on Saturday, we have number 22, Tennessee at 18, Kentucky at noon on ESPN. And number 21, Texas at 15, Iowa State, who has a big week at 1 p.m. M. There are other games in the top 25. There's actually a ton of them this week. They are on the blog for more details. Go check that out. In college football, we have the national championship for the college football playoff, Alabama versus Georgia in Indianapolis tonight, Monday at 7 p.m. on ESPN. It's going to be amazing. Both games, both teams are known to be defensive powerhouses And let's see if Saban can get that seventh national championship win at Alabama, which would tie Bear Bryant as the most winningest head coach at Alabama. In the NFL, it is wild card week. So I am going to go through all the games and they are all televised all at different times for a different change, for a nice change. So we have two games on Saturday. Both are in the AFC. We have the Raiders at the Bengals at 3.30 p.m. on NBC. And then you can catch the Patriots at the Bills at 7.15 on CBS. On Sunday, we have the two in the NFC, which is the Eagles at the Buccaneers at noon on Fox. We also then have the 49ers at the Cowboys at 3.30 on CBS. In the AFC, we have the Steelers at the Chiefs at 7.15 p.m. on NBC. And on Monday night football, extending into for the wild card, this is the first to be on Monday night, the NFC Cardinals at the Rams at 7.15 on ABC and ESPN. So if you're wondering how that works, that is only one team from the AFC and the NFC got a bye for the first round. That was the Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans. Everybody else has to play for their spot in the formal tournament kind of playoff bracket. So that's kind of how that works. This weekend for golf, we have the PGA Tour is still in Hawaii. I know they have a hard life. At the Sony Open, you can watch that starting at 6 p.m. on Golf Channel on Thursday, because remember that time change is just killer. We have three NHL games on TV, two on Wednesday at 6 and 9 p.m. on TNT. The Canadians at the Bruins first, followed by the Maple Leafs at the Coyotes. 
which also have a new logo in case you were wondering. And then Thursday, we have the Flyers at the Bruins at 6 p.m. on ESPN. As for Olympic sports, we have some women's gymnastics on TV this weekend. Friday, we have OU at Utah at noon on ESPN2. We then have Georgia at Kentucky at 6 p.m. on the SEC Network. And sticking with the SEC Network, then we have Auburn at Arkansas at 7.30. On Sunday, for the first time ever, regular programming women's gymnastics on It'll be Alabama at Florida at 2 p.m. on ABC. So that's really exciting. All of these teams are ranked in the top 25. That's why these are being featured so early in the season. That wraps it up for me this week. I know it was another long podcast, but with the Olympics coming up and the NFL playoffs and the football season coming to an end and then March Madness starting soon, it's a lot to cover. So thanks for bearing with me. If you want more specifics, go check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, and hope to see you all next week.